So um, to give us a little bit of a little bit of that um, kind of context of, of where we're going for those who, who are new with us this morning, uh, the last several weeks we've been looking at um, creation. Uh, the first the first two weeks we we specifically looked at uh, those areas where as believers no matter what particular view you have on creation whether you're old earth or whether you're 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 young earth um, whether you think that that this is that Genesis is kind of a liter the opening chapters of Genesis are, are more literary or whether you think they're more literal there are uh, three major things that we can get out of Genesis, out of the the what Scripture says about creation itself, um, that no matter where you fall as a believer on the the age of the earth, um, we can kind of all agree on those these specific uh, truths. So those those truths are that God created the entire universe out of nothing, that it was originally very good, and that it, He created it to glorify Himself. So we're not going to go into all the particular text here um, for that, that we covered over the past week, but just a couple of places that you could look to, to, to kind of get this idea of God creating from nothing. Genesis chapter 1, 1, um, and we'll actually, let's, let's go ahead, we're going to actually read that particular one. Um, <clears throat> so if you want to flip with me to Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 1, um, we'll kind of look at this. Um, Give me one moment to get there. So Genesis 1, 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, period. Um, so here we see that Scripture points to a beginning of creation, though this has been this has been historically... Does anybody want any coffee, by the way? Or is... Oh, okay, I got you. Um, so, yeah, if, you, if you're interested in coffee, raise your hand. They'll, they'll come around. Thank you all for that. Um, so if if we look at the if we look at scripture, um, what we can see is that scripture clearly teaches us that creation had a beginning. Now this has not been the the common understanding throughout history, right? Like for large portions of history, it was it was believed by um, by the world that that all that exists has existed eternally, right? Like that creation was an eternal. Eternal thing that matter and energy had just always been. Um, the Bible has always spoken the reality that God is the one and only thing which is eternal, and that creation itself has a distinct beginning. Um, our understandings from from kind of the scientific uh, perspective now have have kind of aligned up in that particular area. But as we talked about in, in weeks past, there are other Places where scientific understanding has caused has caused uh, believers to have to readdress or or, or or reevaluate their particular understandings of what uh, Scripture speaks of when it's speaking about uh, creation. So we know that God created the universe out of nothing. Um, that uh, 
uh, is, is clear throughout the text. We know that it was created very good originally. We see this as we look through um, the opening chapter of Genesis, chapter 3. God saw the light. It was good. Um, down in verse 10, it was good. We just continue this theme. Verse 11, it was good. Down in verse 18, it was good. Down in verse 21, it was good. Um, again in verse uh, 25, it was good. Down in verse 28, God, looking over all that He had created, um, refers to it as very good. So cre- God created the entire universe out of nothing, and it was originally very good. If we look at several places in Scripture, Revelation chapter 4 is probably one of the clearest places um, here we see that God created everything for His glory. Some of the ideas that we get as we consider like God creating, knowing, like having explored um, in some depth the character of God, knowing that God is all good, that He's all wise, that He's all loving. <clears throat> we believe God, um, not only has God seen the end from the beginning, but God has... Um, because of his wisdom and knowledge, God has set the best path to get to the end from the beginning. <clears throat> and this does not um, preclude the evil that we see, <clears throat> whether it be the evil that we see um, kind of free creatures acting out evil against one another, or whether that's um, kind of the natural evil that we see, whether it be catastrophes, disasters, um, health, health problems, those type things. Um, uh, what we what we believe is that God created. God created originally good. He created to glorify Himself, and ultimately um, we see that. Ultimately, we know that if an all wise God who did not need to create chose to create, um, then out of His wisdom. He cho- he chose he chose the best right like like it would be by his very nature that he chooses um, that he chooses uh, the wisest best means to to those ends um, so that's one of those places where we must kind of uh, rest in that right like this is this is um, this is one of those areas where where because we can't see the end from the beginning we can't even see tomorrow from Today we find ourselves very often times um, in that place where when when we see what's going on today without a full view of time we find ourselves lacking information wondering is this really the best way to get to that end and in that we rest in the wisdom of God to have chosen for us and for his creation um, the best path to, towards ultimately glorifying Him. And then we get multiple places throughout uh, Scripture that points us to all things working together for the good of His people. Um, and in that we rest even when we do not understand. Um, and I think, I think this, comes, this comes in large part from our understanding that God need not create and He chose to create, right? Like God was lacking nothing. He needed none of us, and yet He chose to create. And out of that free choosing, what we understand is is that it's not purposeless. So, right, like as I can't see tomorrow from today, right, I can't see how my pain or suffering might ever work out 
for good, I'd rest and trust in God's ultimate purpose, right? My pain is not meaningless. The things that I'm going through, the, the struggles and the trial, trials are not purposeless, right? So I can rest in whatever it is, whether I can, whether I will ever understand it on this side of eternity or not, I can rest and trust that it is not meaningless, it is not purposeless, because the God who freely chose to create created and I trust that he is wise even when I don't see it right even when I don't see it um, so 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 God created everything from nothing originally very good he created it to glorify himself um, and then the the last couple of weeks we've kind of been exploring the church's understanding of this creation um, we, we looked last week at a couple of different places um, that that um, the church has had to to kind of readdress what does it believe when it comes to creation, um, specifically like you know like is uh, talking about like the opening chapter of Genesis is this a li- is this something that we're supposed to understand literally is is there some kind of allegory to it um, are the days twenty four hour days or the days long periods of time. Um, probably one of the reasons, and we kind of discussed this last week, one of the reasons that you would tend to see people not taking it literally now is because it would a, a literal view of the, the opening chapters of Genesis would, would tend to um, seem to contradict what we see when we explore um, creation, right? And, and what we kind of discussed last week is that ultimately, when all truth is known, right? And, and that's a that's kind of a, a, a big task or a big idea. But ultimately, when all the cards are on the table, there will be no truth in Scripture that contradicts the truth that we find in nature, right? God is the God of Scripture, and He is the God of creation. Okay. So like because of this, he cannot contradict himself in scripture with what he has done in creation. All truth is God's truth, right? All truth belongs to him. Okay, so so kind of with that in mind, we understand that even and and we've seen like we see this at different times in history, different different understandings of creation have seemed to contradict different things that Scripture might say, right? But what we see is that is that in time, um, it, it would it would seem to it would seem to me that that um, our understanding of creation, as we understand it more, we it does not preclude more and more scripture it seems to line up more and more with what scripture says and and i would say again like um the the general understanding of a beginning to the universe was hotly contested whenever it was originally put forward as um as a scientific theory because it lined up with what scripture said about all that is not always being right um, and and those who those who hotly contested that particular that particular idea did so primarily because it lined up with what the opening chapters of Genesis had to say about that, right? So, like in that particular thing, ultimately, what happened? Now we we have a better understanding of how the universe came to exist, and that better understanding 
points us towards um, a, a time where we could say in the beginning, right? Now, uh, we, we should understand that that beginning, based on our current understanding, would give us other things that we need to wrestle with when we consider the opening chapters of Genesis. Okay, so we get chapter 1, verse 1 in the clear, right? In the beginning, God, and then God speaks creation. But now we would get into this area where it's like, well, how long ago did he speak? Was it 6,000, 7,000, 8, 9, 10,000 years ago? Was it millions, if not billions of years ago, right? So like we see like we may get one win, but now there's more places where we have to wrestle with um, our understanding of these things. And one one thing that I want to I mentioned last week and I want to kind of mention it again is that this is not a new struggle for believers, right? Like we we tend to think that it is now because we have like we have um, all the things that we see like like when we think about like uh, like the universe and, and, and the scientific understanding of the universe seeming as vast as it is, um, you know, possibly infinite without, without, without end, right? Um, and then we look at like, like theories like the theory of, of evolution and, we, and, and, and it would seem to, it would seem that this, um, um, moves away the need at all for God in the work of creation. Um, how do we align? We, we, we tend to think that this is a new thing for us. And, and last week I kind of pointed out that there are several places um, throughout church history where there have been similar, um, similar types of, of like common ideas or common understandings that's caused the church to have to kind of press into and gain deeper understanding um, and be able to defend better their ideas of, of, of what Scripture says in certain places. And these, these, these events have shaped and molded the church's understanding. So like, I'm going to list a couple of those uh, events throughout history. So Epicurus' Epicuri- Epicuri- theory, I apologize for mar- murdering that name, um, of, chan- of the chance collision of atoms was once given as the source for life's origin. So this is very early in church history where this was taking place. Um, like we would actually place this event in the in the early church era, right? So we're, when we look at church history for this class in particular, we're looking at the early church, the medieval or the established church. We're looking at the reformed church, like the church after the reformation. And then we're looking at the modern church. So we've got those categories. This would fall in the earliest of categories in which we're looking. The church was having to um, having to wrestle with the the origins of life, right? And and the common views. Um, uh, of the of the day and try to align scripture or or align their understanding of scripture um, with kind of common common views of of uh, of the world and and the way that that life uh, might have began uh, Plato which probably everyone's at least heard of that name um, he was the one that probably did the the best job at popular, popularizing a, a theory the theory that matter and the universe are eternal, right? So, so Plato put forward the idea that, that all that is around us is eternal, right? That it's just always been. And that was a very common view, especially in his day, that the universe is eternal. There are some, there are some efforts even now that are trying to, to put forward theories that would, that would kind of get the scientific um, world back in line with Kind of the the idea of eternal um, of an eternal universe. Some of Hawking's ideas that he's put forward, 
um, would would fall into that, right? Like since the time that 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 the the scientific world has kind of come to the conclusion that the universe wasn't eternal, there's been, <laughs> there's been an effort to get it back eternal, and and it's probably not uh, it's probably not uh, h- hard to guess why that would be. Because a universe that never existed and then comes into existence from nothing is a whole lot harder to explain than a universe that's just always existed, right? Because from nothing, nothing comes, right? If you have nothing, you get nothing, right? So the universe doesn't come from nothing under the Christian worldview in the beginning God, right? So God existed eternally and speaks all that we know of as creation into existence. Um, that's kind of um, that's been the, the 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 Jewish and Christian understanding of that um, stemming from the opening verses of, of uh, Genesis. So then, um, probably the biggest um, there were there were as as kind of scientific. Progress is pressed into like geology, and specifically, there are various theories of geology that's challenged the traditional view of creation. Um, you know, as you know, the traditional view being that, like the literal interpretation of Genesis and a, a fairly young, um, young Earth. Um, so, as as the scientific understanding of geology and, and looking at, at at rocks and the different strata of the rocks that are, that exist and how long it might take for those to, to those sedimentary layers to lay down, um, this is, had presented to the church difficulties in um, where where the geologists would say this takes millions of years to for this type of thing to take place given the current rate of of progress that we see today um, that presented many many um, areas of difficulty for the church and for believers trying to to kind of wrestle with this um, seemingly long view of history versus what would be the easiest to read in Genesis chapter one, which would seem to be twenty four hour days. Um, and then we come to kind of more recently in 1859, the origin of species by uh, Darwin, who put forward the, the idea that all life evolved from uh, from a single life form, um, and that's probably been one of the major challenging points for believers in the new t- or kind of in the modern era um, for trying to wrestle with these ideas of of. Of is the is the Earth young? How does that line up with um, with what we seem to be seeing in creation? Um, was there special creation of man? Was there special creation of animals? Or did they evolve from some lower life forms? Right? Like this has been this has been one of the big challenges um, to our understanding uh, today. So through that, now we're kind of that was the context. <laughs> All right, so now we're to where we kind of ended ended last week. Um, so we, as we left off last week, we were kind of in this this transition um, where we were beginning to discuss kind of the the ideas that tend to get put forward um, in the modern age um, to give uh, to kind of try to, to to give a good understanding of what Scripture might be saying in the early chapters of Genesis. Um, there are six um, major ones. If you were to go Google going around, you know, go look online, you're going to find um, an untold number of, of 
particular theories that that people are, that people put forward in this particular area, there are probably of those they could probably all be classified um, in some way under one of these headings that we're going to look at today. And today we're just going to kind of I'm, we're going to put forward the theories that are that are kind of placed out there. Um, we're going to explore them a little bit um, because we're in kind of that the part of the study that is the history of what the church has. Uh, has tended to believe um, a couple of things that I want to put forward. I put put this forward last week. Like any new, like any time that we find ourselves believing or holding to something that is a that is a new, um, like like that that it just now shows up in history, and that there's been whole hosts of believers throughout history who've not known or not thought about Scripture in that particular way, these represent places that we need to take a great deal of caution when we're trying to hold to one of those particular views, right? Um, so like in here, what we're going to find is that several of these, these, these are what I would call like accommodating theories, right? Like these, ha- like why have these come into existence? Why, why are these now being popularized, and, and, and I would say these are accommodating theories. What do I mean when I say accommodating theories? These theories are accommodating for particular realities that seem to clash, right? So we've got what would be the plain reading of Genesis, which the plain reading um, would, for the most part, church history seems to say that the plain reading of Genesis is, is a literal view of Genesis, Right? That's what, like, if you just look at the at the majority of believers through from the time of Christ to today, the large majority of them would likely have read Genesis chapter one, and when they saw day, they would have likely read day and 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 considered it to be twenty four hour day. That's the traditional view. That's the traditional understanding of that. So now we have throughout the history of the church these various points in time where where the world at large. And, and especially in our day, like the like the great majority of the world would just take like like a, like the theory of evolution to be to be fact, right? Like there's like like that is the that's the that's the presumption now is that it's true, right? So now we have views that have come into the church to try to accommodate for these two seemingly opposing views, right? So, so when we look at these, all but the literal approach, I would say, are accommodating views. So when we consider why do they exist, right? There's going to be one. There's going to be one exception to this, um, but but the the large, like you could just almost blanket statement it true that these exist because it would seem that a plain reading of the opening chapters of Genesis conflict greatly with the current understanding of. Uh, Scientific understanding of the the world that we see around us, right? So these are accommodating theories. Um, so the one theory that seems to have the long, like that you can actually trace it back in church history and find people holding views similar to, to it. I mentioned last week um, Augustine, which he's way back in the in the early church era. Um, the view that that he held would be called um, the framework hypothesis. We'll, we'll look at it in a little bit. Um, another theory um, is th- that it, it it has some people that you could find throughout church history that's, that have probably held some view that's 
kind of similarly related is known as gap theory. We have day age theory. We have the intermittent day theory. We have the fully gifted creation theory. And then we have just the literal approach, which is uh, the traditional view that has been held um, by the church from um, the establishment of the church to to today. So um, I want us to look at, at these a little bit more in detail. What what time is it? Let's see how much time we've got so I know how to pace myself. We've got a couple of minutes. Okay. Um, so let's consider the framework theory. This is this is the one that, that if you were to look at like Augustine, um, you would find him holding something very similar to this. Framework theory breaks the the um, it would it would say that this is not not a literal a thing to be taken literally, um, but that the way that the and again so I want to mention this before we get before we get into these two. Um, I'm not trying to sell you on any particular one of these, right? All of these exist, um, kind of in the modern in the modern day. All of them have proponents that would that would put these theories forward that are believers as you and I are believers, right? So I would not consider any of these particular views to be heretical. I would also say that I would not consider any of them to be views that would not have their problems where you're having to wrestle, right? So there's not going to be any of these that we look at today where it's like, clearly that's the one. Right? Clearly that's the one. Um, so I'm going to put these forward just for the sake of us having a general knowledge of them. I'm not trying to sell you on any particular one of them. Right? Um, when, when we put these things forward, again, the thing that we, should, that we should consider is that if we're not in line with what the traditional view would be, we need to have like rock-solid reasons ourselves that we would differ from that. Right, so like the traditional view is the 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 literal view, uh, the literal reading of that. So all of these up to the very last one that we touch are going to fall into that view. That if you were to hold to this, you need to have really good reasons that you're holding to this, because you're 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 diverging from what large portions of the church has. Uh, believe throughout history, and any time we do that, I want to caution us that we need to have really good reasons, right? That's not to say that that there aren't good reasons, um, but I just want I just want to put that forward that if if most of the believers throughout history have held one view, and now we hold to a different one, we should at least be able to justify why it is that we hold that particular view. So the framework theory would would lay it out like this: so we have the seven days. In the opening of Genesis, and if you notice, you find day one, two, and three laying out this this framework of places, right? Um, this would tend to be known as like three kingdoms or three habitations. Um, we have the kingdom of light, day one, um, or I'm going to use kingdom, but think about habitations, just places things sit. Right, so that's what we find the first three days kind of laying out. Is we find light separated from darkness, we find sky separated from water, then we find the uh, day three land and vegetation coming forward. So that's one um, kind of one category, and then what you find in day four, five, and six are the things that fill those places. Right, so you find the light in day one, you find those things that that produce that light, like the heavenly bodies in day. 
four. Um, day two, you find sky and water. Day five, you find birds and fish. So, like, there's a pattern that, that comes up. You have you have darkness separated from light. You have the, the those heavenly bodies that produce that light. You have sky separated from water. You have those those creatures that fill those areas right so like the habitation and the things that inhabitate those areas so you have sky and water bird and fish on day five day three you have land and vegetation day six you have land animals and man and then on day seven you find the sabbath so uh, those who would hold to the framework theory would say that this is not giving you like 24 hour days but this is giving you a basic framework for what was created, right? And the patterns in which those things took place. Um, this is one of those views that you could, that you could, it's, I'm not putting forward that any of these were the popular view, right? So even though like Augustine held this view, this was not popular in his day. Like he was, he was a one-off even though he held this view uh, as far back as he did. Um, so the next theory is gap theory. We'll let the bell get done there. Uh, Gap theory says that there's an indefinite amount of time between Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 and Genesis chapter 1 verse 2. All right, so they would hold that in the beginning God created, but then it doesn't. They would they would say that there's there's the potential at least for immense amount of time between the initial creation and then the events that start taking place in verse 2 all right so like they would they would hold those that would hold this theory would 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 tend to hold that it was in that gap that a lot of other things took place right like this would be like the billions of years that the universe the universe from the beginning um, kind of explodes out the stars are formed one generation of stars dies and then we get the generation of stars that create create all the things that you would need for um, for creatures like us to come about, and this is large spans of time that this takes place, and that's in that gap between chapter one verse one and chapter one verse two, and then in that same in that same time period, they would tend to hold that this is probably likely when the fall happened, right? Like that the angelic beings would find themselves in this in this gap as well, and then the fall takes place, and because of that, we find. Um, disorder and the need for God to start doing this special work that would tend to be um, kind of these are and I'm, we're getting you're getting the synopsis view of these right so like if any of these were to tickle your fancy please don't just take what I'm putting out here in this short amount of time go and do a little bit more digging on these particular things it's just to kind of give you an idea um, the general idea the gist of of these particular ideas that are put forward. So we have framework theory, we have gap theory, we also have day-age theory. The day-age theory holds that the six days referred to in Genesis are not ordinary 24-hour days, but are much larger periods of time. They would say that the Hebrew word yom, which gets translated in most of your translations as, as days, is also used to refer to periods of time. So they would point to places in Scripture where yom was not used as a 24-hour day, but it was used as a longer period of time. And they would use that as one of the kind of justifying means by saying that, that you can't necessarily say that's a 24-hour day because the word that gets translated for us as day, in other places we don't transfer it as day. 
we transfer it as, as age, right, or some length of time. Um, so that would be kind of the general idea in that, in that particular, the day-age theory is that they would say it's not 24-hour days, it's long periods of time. The word yom doesn't have to be translated as days. Um, it can be translated as ages or eras or, you know, like it can be translated as long periods of time. So they could say day one is really age one, right? Like like a large portion of time. That's kind of what would be what would be said um, with that with that particular theory. Um, the, Yes. So, so they would say that they would say that because that word doesn't necessitate 24 hours. Because there are places like take that, go look at that word. Get you one of those uh, interlinear um, references, and you can look at that word. You can look at all the places that it's referenced, and then look and see how it's translated in other places throughout Scripture. And what you'll actually find is that's the case. Like there are places where it doesn't make sense that it was day, but it's actually an age. Right or some like non twenty four hour period of of time. So that's what that's kind of the 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 main idea. Main idea is probably a bad word. Uh, that's kind of the idea that they would put forward with that is that because it doesn't have to be a twenty four hour day, that you could interpret it as being longer periods of time. Um, and if you interpret it as being longer periods of time, then they would they would put forward that you you get around some of the problems that you have. If you're saying that the universe is only, you know, 6,000 years old and it seems like everything that we look at around us would say that it's significantly older than that, right? So that's the day-age theory. Intermittent day theory is is similar to that, but it's kind of morphed a little bit. Um, So intermittent day theory holds that each day is actually a 24-hour interval of time, but it's separated by intervals of unknown length. Right now, follow me on this one. This one's not necessarily easy to follow. So that when it speaks of day one, morning and evening, that it's speaking of literal twenty-four hour days, but day two isn't necessarily the next morning. Right. So this would be like this is the intermittent day theory. That what we get is there's this huge expanse of time and we get day one and then some time later we're, we're looking at day two and that some amount of time later we're looking at day three but in but in all and you can see how these are accommodating theories right because like to go there and to read the text is a stretch isn't it right like even if you hold to this you've got to admit that this is a stretch to say that it's not because it's not necessarily clear that there's huge expanses of time between those days, right? You have to read a lot between the lines for for a lot of these particular theories, right? Um, but these are these are theories that are held today um, by by various individuals. Um, so what the, what they would say is that the days are normal and consecutive days. That means that day one is actually day two actually follows day one. But they would say that it's not contiguous, meaning they're not bumped up to one another, right? That there's some there's some particular length of time between those. And then we come to um, the fully gifted creation theory. So this one is this one would I would classify this one as being. Um, very close to what what would be referred to as theistic evolution, right? So this is the idea that's put forward by the gifted 
um, creation theory. Uh, this theory states that uh, God has created a universe which depends continually upon Him. Right? This doesn't. This is this is where it gets into that theistic evolution kind of thing. Like that, they would say that the universe continually depends on God, but He's gifted it with the ability to accomplish His will without um, any special interventions. Right? A.K.A. miracles. Um, so this theory would hold that God holds everything in existence, that God kicked the whole thing off and, and um, set it on its course, but He gave creation the gift of being able to accomplish His ends, right? So this, would, this particular theory would um, have very little problem aligning with like, like m- um, most... Um, theories of evolution this is why I would classify it as like a, a theistic evolution a view of theistic evolution except where evolution would say that God had no part this would say that he is the underlying mechanism or the underlying um, one who keeps these things um, in existence and in motion um, and then we come to the literal approach um, and the literal approach is just that it's what you read is is the the, the simple understanding of the text um, is as you read it day one's day one and it's a twenty four hour day and then you read day two's day two it's a twenty four hour day that's the common view that's the that's the most common view that's been held throughout church history if you were to look even today in the church it's probably still the most held view within the church today. Um, and why is that? Because it's the easiest to get when you read the text, right? It, it is like um, it, it causes a whole lot of problems, right? Because if you think that the universe is ten thousand years old and everything that you look at around you says that it's millions, if not billions, of years old, um, then you got to wrestle with how you come about that. Um, but if you hold to a literal view of Scripture, don't be scared because there's not any of the other ones that you don't have to wrestle with things either, right? Like, this is why I would classify all of them as accommodating theories is because even though they accommodate for what we seem to see around us, um, there are still places where you're going to struggle when you're, when you're addressing these things. Let's, uh, this is one of those places that as we do this, as we grow as a church, as we grow in our understanding of what Scripture, scripture speaks to, there will be a day where you will know the reality. Right, and as I as I as I myself find myself looking at these and trying to find where do I land here? Like, there's a lot that I don't know here. There's a lot that I can't wrap my mind around. There's a lot that the the reality is is given the short span of time that I have to live that I will never find out. So where do what what's my backstop? My backstop is this: I believe a man, a real man, died, rose in real time, in real history. Right, who claimed to be God, and if he rose, if he rose, that's impossible, right? If he rose, that's impossible. I I believe and trust that he did, right? I believe and trust that he did, and I believe that one day he'll tell me how he did the rest, right? Even when I don't understand it now, right? Because I believe that that one who rose is the one who holds it in existence, right? And I'm glad that I can't figure him out 
because that gives me some some hope that in eternity, as curious as I am, I'll never get bored because I'll never run out the depths of understanding of who he is and what he's done. And I think that he did it this way on purpose, right? Um, and I think that any endeavor to try to um, any endeavor to try to push him out or to exclude him from the possibility is only going to end, and you don't understand your theories, right? And I think that that, that sci- the scientific world has, has pushed so far into our understanding that I think that we're actually getting into those places where we're running out of places to go because it was built by a higher mind than our minds could ever get to, right? Like it's, we're trying to reverse engineer the things that were created by a mind of an engineer that would blow all of our minds away, right? Um, so are there difficulties in all of these? 100%. Um, are there places that we have to wrestle? 100%. Um, is our faith blind? Only if he was dead and stayed dead, right? Only if he was dead and stayed dead. Um, and if he's dead and stayed dead, then nothing when we do matters anyways. <laughs> because another billion years from now, and we'll all be gone, and there won't be anybody's feelings to be hurt, right? So... Um, 